0: Welcome to episode two of Contemporary Communication. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Jones, and today we are going to talk about tragedy and comedy. So, sit back and uh, let's chat. Here at home, I don't have access to my copy of Aristotle's work on comedy and tragedy. Although in his work on comedy and tragedy, he only got through the tragic parts. So maybe it wouldn't help that much either way. I'm reminded of a course that I took when I was a graduate student at LSU. In it, we were talking about, um, the ancient Greek rhetoric, and we were, we were trying to make sense of, uh, one of the, the big issues that exists there in that topic. And it's the question of tragedy. It's easy to talk about things as being tragic. Without knowing what we mean by tragedy. So the Greeks have this idea of tragedy that's fairly specific. It's a, a very clear definition. So tragedies involve uh, hubris, some, some overwhelming uh, pumped-up pride of your protagonist that ultimately leads to the downfall of the entire populace in some city. It's, it's fairly formulaic. Um, we have a lot of retellings of the same stories. And then ultimately, the the purpose of tragedy, though, is what gives it its form. And the purpose of tragedy is that it brings the community together in a way that they all can recognize the shared values that underlie the communal state. So uh, throughout the course, there was a lot of discussion about, like, is this thing tragic, is um, when when someone passes away unexpectedly, is it a tragedy or not? And the distinction that um, is very difficult for contemporary human beings to wrap their heads around is the idea that something can be sad, but not tragic. So when we were talking about, um, for example, uh, a hero who dies in battle, we would ask the question of, is this death tragic? And we kind of came back to the answer that it's not tragic unless there's some overwhelming um, internal flaw that leads to the characters, the, the individual's ultimate downfall. It's almost as if real life human beings cannot be tragic because there are so many confounding variables within their lives. So... That leads me then to to be reminded of the work of Kenneth Burke. And Burke talks about the comic frame and the tragic frame as these ways of viewing history. And if we view history through a tragic frame, then when we're looking at historic events, we see them as almost uh, predetermined. There's a a word from... um, Protestant Presbyterian theology called uh, predestination, and uh, predestination has everything to do with this idea that something has already been decided in advance, and as you're moving towards that destiny, there's nothing you can do to escape from it. You you get this in um, some other cultures where you have like the idea of destiny is such an overwhelming force that you can't escape your destiny. So when we bring that idea of tragedy all together, then we still have this ancient sense that tragedy is something to do with a personal flaw, some, some point of your character that is uh, ultimately going to lead to your not only your own downfall, but also to the downfall of, of everything around you. And one of the questions then that we want to embrace and try to think through in our time is, what happens as a function of tragedy, or how does tragedy function rhetorically in contemporary society? And that actually leads me to an interesting observation. Um, I'll make this as kind of an argument, and the thing I like about arguments is that you can always disagree with me. So the way that I see it, I'm not sure it's possible to have a contemporary tragedy. We can certainly have sad stories, and we can have sad stories where a flaw written into the very character of our main protagonist leads to their ultimate downfall. Downfall, But I don't think it's possible to really have this fully um, fleshed out tragedy where the audience comes together and by observing the tragedy, they are emptied out of their pity and fear. This is the point that Aristotle makes about uh, catharsis. So in uh, a proper tragedy, it concludes with the audience feeling catharsis. It's an emptying out, or it's a welling up of um, pity and fear, is the, the words that I remember from my freshman drama course. It's this emptying out of yourself. The purpose of that moment of catharsis is that everyone goes through it together. So the entire political state comes together, views a tragedy as a, a performance, which they, um, they are taking part in the performance as a rehearsal for their lives outside of the theater. And they observe a drama in which the um, protagonist, through some fatal flaw, something that the entire community agrees is a flaw in an otherwise noble character. And then they see that working out in such a way that everything ripples, right? Everything else is impacted by it. And when everything else is impacted by it, then all of the community comes together and says, we agree that that, that one thing is a flaw. And this is why it's easy to talk about hubris as the overwhelming flaw, because hubris is the main flaw in the Oedipus cycle. So in Oedipus Rex, um, in particular, you have Oedipus the king, and it's, it's his pride, his being puffed up before the gods that leads to his ultimate downfall, right? And so, When we think then about what could be a possible tragic flaw that you would see portrayed in a drama today, it's hard to imagine something. I was having a conversation earlier today um, with an alum, and we were talking about the possibility that uh, a recent uh, Academy Award-winning film could be a tragedy. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, I won't spoil the ending, but um, a parasite, it might be, is a tragic story. And I find that interesting because it also makes me wonder if, um, part of the reason we don't have the ability to share a tragedy today is because of our global and intercultural society. It might be that tragedy as a form is so culturally bound that you could only perceive a tragedy within the barriers of your own cultural view because the tragedy is meant to harness the power of, um, what we call the the epideictic moment right so it's a form of epideictic speech which exists for praise and for blame and exists in order to create a sense of shared community a a sense of shared purpose and values and character so this is how kind of tragedy works another extension might be is it possible to see um Uh, dramas that come, for example, I've had conversations about uh, Turkish dramas and Korean dramas and uh, uh, Italian telenovelas. Is it possible that some of these are able to incorporate elements of tragedy in that they would bring together an audience who would agree on some flaw and then move forward from the space of agreeing on this flaw, being filled with pity and fear for the character who undergoes or who exhibits this this trait, and from that, be able to avoid it themselves and shun it in others? Is it possible, maybe, to have a very tightly culturally bounded um, tragic form? And then, if we've talked about tragedy, the next thing to talk about then is comedy. So, What is it that comedy does? If tragedy binds us together and we agree on these kind of common flaws that we want to eschew in ourselves, we want to avoid in ourselves, and we want to um, get out of others as well, comedy creates, I think, a space for combined action. Now, how is this different from tragedy? Well, in tragedy, it's more about a unified individual action. Whereas in comedy, it allows us, comedy allows us to see possibilities that we didn't perceive before, and those possibilities exist only in a social moment. For the tragedy, it's possible to overcome an individual character flaw yourself, and it's desirable not to have that character flaw for yourself, but in a comedy, it's possible for others acting together to overcome the weaknesses of any individual and, therefore, to raise the entire society to a new level. When we laugh, we laugh together. When we cry, we cry alone. It Lines uh, actually come from a, a famous poem by a poet who's long forgotten. Uh, it's a fantastic little piece. Uh, he says, I think, um, When we cry, uh, when we laugh, we laugh together. When we cry, we cry alone. For this dear old earth um, has a dearth of mirth, but of pity has enough of its own. I'm I'm messing up the end of the lines there somewhat. But the idea there is that laughter is a thing that brings together communal action because it allows us to see a possible alternative that we couldn't perceive before. One of my mentors talked about these as the ha-ha, aha moments. So, haha is an onomatopoetic way of saying um, like the the sound of laughter, and aha is the onomatopoetic way of of um, expressing discovery. So, the haha moment is when you are laughing at the perceived incongruities of the world. Um, it's like when you see a sign that says stop, and then below it there's a little sign that says no stopping. It's the the perceived incongruity that allows you to say, oh my gosh, this thing is just ridiculous. And then that perceived incongruity leads you to a sudden perspective. It's not like catharsis. It's not that individual welding up of pity and fear that uh, vomits forth emotions. Um, Instead, it's a moment of universal consciousness. It's when you escape into the perception of all of those around you who also get the joke and laugh together at the uh, incomprehensibility of the present moment. So when we take the two ideas together then, comedy and tragedy, in the tragic frame, we're really seeing the motions, I think, of individuals. And we're trying to create something that motivates an individual towards action. So tragedy really teaches you a lesson, and it teaches you a lesson for yourself. Comedy, though, I believe, leads to a more unified acting together when we can see where it is that we could possibly all come together and make a change in the world around us. So if we tie this back then to what we talked about in episode one on on Monday, it's possible, I think, that comedy and tragedy are two ways that we perform in our everyday lives, Two ways that the uh, acting out of a drama moves from the rehearsal of the performance space to the performance of everyday life. And that's all I have for you today. So I'll end with my closing. Thank you for listening to episode two today of Contemporary Communication with Dr. Jones. If you have any questions or you'd like to leave me a message feel free to use the message app here through anchor.com or you can send me a message through any of the other channels you have available to you uh, for those of you who have already graduated you have me on social media for anyone you can send me an email and for current students we have different formats for connecting through our learning management system through uh, moodle well that's it i hope that you all are staying staying safe and finding some ways to enjoy the time that you now have available on your hands.